ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Is this finally the week the Hawks can get back to 500? I like the way we won both games, you know, not to say we were perfect, but playing team basketball and, and moving the basketball, playing defense what we did and communicating. Welcome to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, brought to you by Emory Healthcare, the official team healthcare provider of the Atlanta Hawks. I'm your host, Sarah Spencer, Hawks beat reporter for the AJC. And this is going to be, I guess, a little bit happier of an episode today. Not that we're always doom and gloom uh, around here, but at least in terms of what's happening with the Hawks, who are 3-1 and one in their last four games, um, with a chance to get back up to 500 since December, for the first time since December 15th. And it's March 6th. We're, we're recording this March 6th, so it's been, it's been a while. John Collins is back. Shots are falling for DeAndre Hunter. And the Hawks are tied in the standings, the Eastern Conference standings with the Hornets. Both are three games back from the Raptors, who are in that seventh seed, with 19 regular season games to go. So some decent news uh, this week if you're if you're a Hawks fan. Um, the Hawks are 31 and 32, one game under 500. So we'll see if they can do it. They will play in Detroit Monday. And it's going to be chilly, chance of snow. So got to bring out all my winter gear that I have stowed the past week in Georgia because it's been so nice and warm and lovely. Um, But yes, if you have not done so, please subscribe to this show on Apple, Spotify, or wait for it, wherever you get your podcasts, because we're on all those fun platforms. Um, Okay, so chronologically, real quick, let's start with the loss in Boston Tuesday. Uh, This is the one downer section of the show, but we'll make it quick. Um, It sort of mirrored the loss to the Celtics from actually a couple weeks earlier when they were up 10, but gave up 42 points in the fourth quarter, just or in the third quarter, rather, just a really, really frustrating one, um, similar to to that previous sort of meltdown against the Celtics. I don't know what it is with the Hawks and struggling in the second half against the Celtics, Um, but it was kind of the same vibe there. And Trey Young actually ended up tweaking his ankle in this game. He had to leave and go get checked out. Um, ended up coming back and and playing, but obviously wasn't a hundred percent. One thing about Trey though is that he really, really hates missing games. He says that, you know, I mean, he's had some some ankle issues here and there over over um, his first few years in the NBA, but he always says how much he hates missing games, and he'll kind of try to play through anything, really, um, for better or worse. Um, but it, it did, it has 
since seemed like Trey Young and the Hawks sort of dodged a bullet as far as um, as far as his ankle because he's bounced back pretty quickly from it. Um, also, Onyeka Kongwu actually entered the NBA's concussion protocol. Um, he got sort of hit in the face or took an elbow or, or contact to the face from Derek White and um, ended up having to go into NBA concussion protocol. And the way that works is there's not a specific time frame necessarily for him to get out of it. You just have to you have to test out of it. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on. Um, he's still in concussion protocol as of as of Sunday afternoon when we are recording this. Um, Boston ultimately held Atlanta to 33 points in the second half. Lots of settling instead of lots of settling for you know, those long range jumpers, um, maybe some ill-advised threes instead of attacking, getting downhill, just attacking the rim. And that's kind of what Nate McMillan, Hawks coach Nate McMillan focused on after afterwards in this one. Um, DeAndre Hunter went 0 for 8 in this one. This was kind of quote unquote, like when he was sort of rock bottom. Uh, but as we as we teased at the beginning of the episode, and as you guys have probably seen, he's since bounced back in a big way. But yeah, that loss to Boston was one of those frustrating Hawks losses where a win was right there for the taking, and they just really couldn't finish. They couldn't put a, a full game together. So that one was frustrating. But let's move on to the good, because the Hawks have gotten very, very quality back-to-back wins. Not necessarily quality for all 48 minutes of of both games but quality in the sense that a win is a win and those are two w's for you so obviously a, a great great win against the bulls thursday and the bulls are chicago is one of the best teams in the east and the hawks were able to able to get it done um and and i think that was much needed they avoided a season sweep um, with this win, which I think is, I think that's really big. You just don't want to get swept, you know, especially by a fellow Eastern Conference team. Um, Trey Young was able to play, actually ended up looking really, really good despite uh, the the kind of tweaked ankle. He taped it up, he said. Probably put, it must have been a, a ton of tape because he, he credited the tape and um, said that that kind of helped him keep it from turning. And that was really what was bothering him the most. And he was able to play through that ankle sprain. 39 points and 13 assists for Trey Young. 16 points of that and three assists of that came in the fourth quarter alone. So this was a really good fourth quarter performance for Trey Young. This was one of those games where he he managed things well down the stretch, um, kind of exploded in the fourth as, as far as scoring. This was just a really, really great Trey Young game. And a really good game for the Hawks overall. Overall, and Trey Young, um, if you remember, the the week prior, the Hawks had that tough loss to the Bulls when Trey went three for seventeen uh, from the field. So he went from one of his kind of roughest shooting games against Chicago to one of his best. So I think that was that was kind of big mentally um, for Trey and the team overall. There were some big shots from from Bogey um, Bogdan Bogdanovich in the fourth quarter too in addition to Trey Young doing Trey Young things, of course. And I think one of the biggest parts of this game was the rebound of DeAndre Hunter. Not like grabbing a rebound, but rebounding overall um, as a as a player and, and just as, as far as how things are going for him. He had 18 points, missed a pair of free throws, 
late, but overall a good game from him. I mean, they got the win, so that ended up not mattering. Um, Defensively, he helped limit DeMar DeRozan very nicely. Um, Bogey did a good job of that, too. DeRozan was, as you guys, I'm sure, remember, was the Hawks' downfall in that previous loss to the Bulls. So definitely getting DeAndre Hunter, getting shots to fall for him, getting the defensive production you sort of expect and need from him uh this is if if it was ever going to happen this is definitely the time the time for him to uh kind of hit his stride so to speak so a very very good win for the hawks against the bulls and i think i think that that has if if the hawks are going to go on a, a streak here which is something they need to do I think you can credit some of that to this game, whether it's DeAndre Hunter hitting his stride or Trey Young, you know, going off in the fourth, Bogey continuing to shoot well for them, which has been huge. Um, so overall, just a really, really solid win pickup for them against the Bulls. Okay, moving into the second half of a back-to-back, a narrow, narrower than it should have been, but nonetheless a win, uh, 117 to 114 win against the Wizards when the Hawks got some of the best news they've had all week, which is that John Collins was available to return after missing seven games with a right foot strain. It was good. Sort of the same thing, you know, little, you know, sort of stiff, if I should say, right, trying to just get it back, you know, used to NBA movement cuts, contact, and all that good stuff. So um, no complaints, but obviously probably a little sore some tomorrow, rehab, do what I need to do, keep it right. And that's understandable. I mean, you're going to be a little bit uh, if you take off seven games, as much as these guys are are big on rhythm and, and just physically as tough as it can be to, to miss a little time. It's understandable that he his shot wasn't, you know, 100 uh, percent. Actually, with Anyeka Kong was still out in concussion protocol. John Collins ended up pretty much exclusively playing center, um, which if if you remember back to before the Hawks got Clint Capella, that was like. John Collins played a ton um, at the five because the Hawks needed production there. And John is is able to do that. It's not as his main thing, hence the Hawks acquiring Clint Capella. But he can do it. Um, and he did it pretty well, I thought. He didn't have the best shooting game, but still nine points, six rebounds in 25 minutes. He did say he was on a minute restriction. Um, 25 is actually a, a pretty decent amount of playing time with his coming back from his first game, coming back from injury. And obviously just overall, uh, besides the specific X's and O's and whatnot, and again, it was his first game back, but just overall getting John back is so big, so big for the Hawks. Um, so that's that's crucial um, for them at a crucial point in the season. So very, very clutch timing to get him back when they did. Um, but like I said, this one was much closer than it should have been. Um, the Hawks overall had a bad second ha- second half, the lead never really felt comfortable. Although I guess I got to give them credit. It, the, I mean, they never trailed. The The Wizards never, never led in this game. But at the same time, the Hawks lead never felt comfortable. Ideally, this would be a game where you can sort of put, put your opponent away a little bit earlier. But I also, to be fair, Playing on the second half of a back-to-back has a way of making games that should maybe be a little bit clearer. It has a way of making them a little bit fuzzy because you're tired. They had to travel for this one as well. So that can make games a little bit tougher. Um, 
And in the in the final stretch of the game, they gave up two late threes to the Wizards. Kentavious Caldwell Pope um, got really hot shooting from three in this game. But again, Washington never led. So the Hawks were doing enough right to never give up the lead. But should it have come down to the final minute? No. But the Hawks went 28 for 34 from the line, uh, which if you compare that to the Wizards going eight for nine. Uh, So that I think in addition to that being obviously just a good stat for them, that indicates that they were playing more the way that Nate, if you flash back to that Boston game, which I know is not fun to do, but if you flash back to that Boston game and him kind of being critical of not playing downhill and attacking, which is obviously when you're going to draw more contact and be able to get to the line um, and hopefully make some easy shots, you know, from the, from the free throw line. I think that's indicative of them playing more the way he wants them to play. And that ended up helping them. You know, it was a close game, but that did end up helping them quite a bit. So that's, that's a good stat for them there. Um, And DeAndre Hunter continued his little mini, mini hot streak um, continued to rebound from a rough shooting stretch. He had a team high 26 points that actually ties his previous season high. He went eight for 12 from the field, three for five from three, and seven for seven from the line. Two rebounds, one assist to steal. I think DeAndre Hunter playing the way that he is right now, this is, I know I said this earlier, but this is really big for them if they can keep getting performances like this from him. Um, at such a pivotal point in the season. So you've had two games in a row for the Hawks where you're kind of getting what you need to at the right time. Um, it's, it's late in the season, but they're getting, they're getting some, some good stuff at the right time. So that's big, but I do think probably one of the biggest takeaways from this game is getting uh, number one, the Hawks able to the Hawks being able to just hold on because a win's a win. <laughs> it, it came down to the wire, but a win's a win. And they haven't done that in some of their previous games where things got tight. So so navigating that fourth quarter well is one of the biggest takeaways. And then also just getting John Collins back. It was good. You know, obviously a little gassed at certain moments trying to just get my win back. But uh, it's great to be out there with the guys. Great to get a win. Obviously wish I would have played a little better, but, you know, a little rusty. Shake it off, and as I said, make winning plays, get a win. That's a, it's a great day, a great first game back. Absolutely, uh, I mean that's what JC does. Is uh, it brings energy to everything, you know, to the locker room, you know, to uh, the floor, uh, you know, to the game, to practice. You know, he he he's a ball of energy. And that's Nate McMillan talking about the energy that John Collins brings. I think a lot of Hawks fans, and I think a lot of Hawks. Um, the, a lot of people who follow the Hawks, you know, day in and day out already know this about John. So I don't know if it's an underrated part of his game. Um, but I do think that just the not just his sheer, you know, bounciness or like gravity or anything like that. Um, but I just think some uh, some people are maybe hesitant to believe as much and, you know, the intent intangibles and stuff. But I actually do think stuff like that can pay off. And I think that I think that John Collins energy and just ability to to energize the team, um, provide some camaraderie, kind of emotional leadership, sort of. I think that's really big for for this team. And obviously, it's not like he can't do that from the bench, you know, when injured. But it's definitely a whole other a, a whole other situation when you're actually out there on the court, and that's able to pay off, you know, in games. And um, I think that's going to be big for them. You know, first game back was I wouldn't say shaky. I, I actually think he gave the Hawks some good production here and filled in for 
filled in in a key role. Um, but, you know, his shot was not the way it normally looks. I think some of that is just you kind of have to shoot yourself back into a rhythm a little bit. But I think that energy that Nate McMillan is talking about is is really key. And you can tell Nate really appreciates that about John. Like he said a few times, like, I just love John. I just love the energy he brings. Um, so that's definitely not the first time Nate McMillan has praised um, John's energy. And I definitely think that that's worth noting. Um, and the other bright spot for the Hawks heading into another important week, every week, every game is important, obviously, but this is definitely a pivotal stretch. And that's DeAndre Hunter starting to bounce back as we've talked about. Um, and if the Hawks can get this version of DeAndre Hunter down this final stretch, I think that can make a big difference for them overall um, as they try to as they try to make some noise here. I thought he was uh, really good uh, tonight on both ends of the floor. I think maybe he saw the ball go in last night. Uh, that continued tonight. Really liked his aggressiveness attacking the basket and then defensively again. Uh, just really a solid night for DeAndre. I mean, I wouldn't ever say I lost my confidence, just had a couple bad games, but um, definitely feels good when shots are going in. I mean, everyone had bad games. I'm not the only one. The greatest players in the world had bad games, so I put a lot of work in, so I'm never never not confident in myself. And that's DeAndre Hunter talking about that confidence and seeing the ball go in, which is key. I think he definitely has a point there that um, even great players – have some stretches where their shots not falling. I mean, even Steph Curry has had some stretches this season where he his numbers don't look like Steph Curry numbers. Um, you know, eventually that's why you that's why you talk about you know averages because a lot of times stuff like that averages out. But I, you know, I think it's fair to it's fair to point out when you know guys are struggling. Like you have to talk about that in addition to when that when that shot comes back. So. He's definitely right that, you know, struggling for a period of time doesn't mean it's going to stay like that forever. Um, and like you said, even great guys, even great guys have imperfect stretches. But um, so he's not alone in that for sure. Um, but I, I think I think the reason why DeAndre Hunter struggling was getting so much attention, I think I think it was kind of justified just because the way this team is built and particularly with trading away Cam Reddish back in January, they've put a lot on DeAndre Hunter because that's your big athletic wing that they need. They they really need him. As you can see, it, it affects the team when DeAndre Hunter is either struggling offensively. He hasn't looked – he wasn't looking, at, you know, comfortable with the ball, coming off wrist surgery. Um, so that – handling the ball, um, I think that's something that – that was of note, you know, at the time. And in addition, defensively, actually, is probably where they have sort of set the team up to, to rely on him a little bit. Um, you know, you need that production from him. And DeAndre Hunter did has, has, I think, really given them what they need these past two games, whether it is shooting, whether it is defensively. Um, so that has been big for them. And again, if, if they can get that production from him, that's going to be big. I mean, they definitely need that from him um, for this final stretch. And this is the Hawks report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, an air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com.
The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Um, I want to thank everyone who subscribes to the AJC and AJC.com because as you guys know, and as I tell you guys every episode, it genuinely is what makes all of this possible. It really and truly is like I promise <laughs> there's directly translates. Um, if you aren't a subscriber, you can go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast and your first month of unlimited digital access is just 99 cents. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. So you always know what's really going on. Okay, so before we get into a mailbag segment, I just want to give you guys an answer to the burning question on everyone's mind, which is, how is our band and orchestra coming along so that we can get some intro music to the mailbag? Um, I know that's what you guys came to this podcast for today. After we had Lauren Jabara on, who Lauren can play like five instruments, so very multi-talented. She's not just the sideline reporter for Valley Sports Southeast covering the Hawks. She's also uh, can play a bunch of different instruments and is just great at a ton of things. So Lauren kind of inspired me because I did some like singing musical theater stuff back in the day and um, I'm learning guitar, picked my guitar up for the first time in a few months because sometimes I can't play during the season because I'm just so busy, picked my guitar up. So maybe we're going to maybe there's a duet in our future. And then I also got a text from someone with the Hawks saying that um, they are musical as well. And so maybe we're going to have a trio, actually, not just a duet. Um, anyway, that's just real important stuff that I needed to put in. I needed to keep you guys posted on uh, before the mailbag segment. And when we get into the mailbag segment, I'm going to bring in producer Jay real quick so he can read me out some questions. Jay, what's up? Well, you know, I am the uh, <clears throat> audio and podcast manager here at the Atlanta Journal Constitution. So I've got some power. And we finally cut through the red tape <laughs> to get our orchestra here in this recording session to start the mailbag. So we're going full on drama for the most important segment of the show. Suspenseful. Welcome to the mailbag. Ooh, it's like getting more intense. From the Atlanta Journal Constitution. Dun, dun, dun. But we also encourage um, our our listeners if if you do if you are musically inclined and want to come up with a mailbag intro song if you can sing or just want to provide the background music, <laughs> please send it to to me at jay.black at ajc.com or you can send it to to Sarah too either as a DM uh, or as an email. We're just gonna see how much of this we can layer on top of each other and then go from there. <laughs> Uh, so our first question comes from Noel's Doll at Noel's Doll. When will Bogey be starting again, and is there a reason he's not already? First off, I love how I didn't even know about that music that was coming. I am like so low on the food chain for this podcast. That was a nice surprise. Um, okay, when will Bogey be starting again, and is there a reason he isn't already? Well, okay, so I think there's a couple reasons. First of all, one thing, uh, this is actually good that this person brought this up because in that game against Washington, Kevin Herter did come down with a, a left shoulder injury, had to walk back to the locker room. Um, left shoulder soreness is what I was told. So we're not positive how serious that is yet. We'll have to see. 
So if Kevin Herter were to miss a few games, which obviously if you're the Hawks, you're hoping that doesn't happen because you really don't want to, you don't want to lose someone. You don't want to lose some depth and you also don't want to mess up chemistry at this point in the season. Um, And that brings me to my answer to this person, which is that um, I think the reason why Bogey isn't starting is because when you when Nate McMillan started bringing him once he got healthy and when Nate McMillan started bringing him off the bench is when bogey started turning into the bogey you saw in the second half of last season and in the playoffs last season, which is just raining, raining threes and really getting a shot back, really finding an amazing rhythm. And I understand that kind of the, a lot of times the question is, well, if he's that great, he should be, you know, rewarded with starting or he should be kind of earn that starting role. But Bogey has been playing a ton coming off the bench, actually. And I think the reason why they're they're continuing to bring him off the bench is because they've had such success with with doing that. And the way he's able to be featured in that bench unit, the way that he is playing cohesively with that bench unit. The bench unit has been a strength for the Hawks, honestly, in quite a few games here. I think Bogey's a big reason for that. Um, so you do have him as an option if Kevin Herter does have to miss a few games. But I think the Hawks really like that. Uh, I, I think the Hawks really like that chemistry. Nate McMillan's big on playing guys with who they're familiar with and that kind of stuff and just who they've got chemistry with. So I think that's a big reason why he's in the role that he is. All right, next up from... Uh... At ATL, the MVP, front of the podcast. Why does this team sometimes play badly against bad teams while playing better against good teams? It's frustrating, isn't it? Um, that's a that's a frustrating one. I think that um, a pretty natural question is how can the Hawks beat a great Chicago team like they did the other day? And that is the same team that gave up 136 points to the Spurs less than a month ago. So you look at those two things and you're like, how is this the same team? Because they have had some times where they've lost to a team where it's like they just they just sort of played down to that level a little bit. I mean, they lost to, they were missing quite a few guys, but they lost to Orlando, which is a bad team back in December. And I think that, I don't think this is solely unique to the Hawks, but obviously, and obviously the Hawks are, you know, a sub 500 team right now, trying to be a 500 team. So that indicates that there's some lack of consistency because otherwise you're not that anyone, you know, goes undefeated or anything, but otherwise they would probably be a little bit higher in the standings and been able to, to string some more wins together and win streaks together. Um, I, I don't think it's like c- completely unique to the Hawks, but I do think that sometimes when you, you are a, a team that is in the position the Hawks are in, part of why they're in the position that they're in is they've lost a few games that they shouldn't. Um, they've lost a few games where it's like, if you could just hold on, if you could just, you know, get some late game execution cleaned up in the fourth quarter. Um, sometimes that happens in the in the NBA. Sometimes you play up, or not even just in the NBA. I mean, shoot, in sport in general. Sometimes you play up to the level of your competition, and sometimes you play down. It, when you play 82 games, you're going to have a clunker or two. But if you have enough of those, then you're in the position that you know the Hawks are in, even though they've had great back-to-back wins. Um, they've still been chasing getting back up to 500 since uh, December 15th, like we've talked about. So 
I think that some of those confusing losses, some of them can be sort of explained by issues the Hawks had that were out of uh, sort of out of their own control, like when everything went haywire with COVID um, injuries here and there. But at the same time, there have been some situations where they've had issues, you know, defensively all season long. And that was even before roster, the roster went haywire and they had, you know, 12 guys in COVID protocols and stuff like that. So long story short, I think some of it is, is mental. And I think some of that is not even just unique to the Hawks, but obviously if that adds up, then that's when you get in the position that, you know, you're in, if you're the Hawks and you're not, you're not where you want to be standings wise. All right, last question comes from too many handles to name, so we'll just kind of give it <laughs> Every to Every Twitter handle. <laughs> Where will the Hawks end up at the end of the regular season? Okay, so this has been a constant stream of of questions just as far as, you know, what what is my gut feeling sort of on where the Hawks will end up, um, and I think that because they were able to, you know, the Wizards played a good second half against them, but the Hawks were still able able to get that W and you could tell that they are definitely the better team in that situation. Um, I think I see them being able to climb and get to, let's see now. I think Boston's actually as of Sunday afternoon, Boston's up to five and it's Cleveland in in six. And this is the, the Eastern conference standings that I'm referring to. And then you've got Toronto at seven um, and the Hawks, like I said earlier, the Hawks are tied with the Hornets as far as both of those teams are three games behind the Raptors. And then you have Brooklyn two and a half games um, behind the Raptors. So really, Brooklyn, Charlotte and, and Atlanta are all kind of circling, all kind of jockeying for position in this play-in tournament, and then you have the Wizards that are still in that 11th spot, but obviously the Hawks just beat them and gained a little ground. So I think that at this point in the season, with 19 games left, I think that the Hawks are probably positioned pretty well, considering that their uh, their schedule lightens up a little bit in terms of difficulty. This was these first five games that we had talked about, that tough five-game stretch coming out of the All-Star break is, is something that got justifiably so a lot of attention. And they've gone three and two on that stretch. Um, so now your schedule lightens up a little bit. I mean, you've still got Milwaukee. you still got, you know, the Clippers coming up. So it's not like it's going to be easy, easy the whole way from here on out. But I think that the Hawks are positioned pretty well to climb up and be either in that seven or eight spot for the play-in tournament. Again, it's not mathematically impossible that they could hop up to six, but you'd have to see, you know, some teams lose. And if you can be a seven or eight, that positions you a lot better for the play-in than if you're a nine or a 10. Uh, It's just more more favorable there, and it's a little bit of an easier path. So I think, yes, I I think that the Hawks can um, gain a little ground here if they can continue on this little hot back-to-back that they went on, if they can continue that and make this be the start of something, then I think I think if you can get a strong finish, then yeah, I definitely think that that, then that is feasible. Um, again, not mathematically impossible to hop up further, but definitely a really, really stiff climb there. Um, but they've shown, you know, I, the game against the Wizards was closer than it should have been, but they've shown that they're 
they've shown they're better than the Wizards. So I do think that um, I don't see them at this point falling out of, you know, playing tournament. And I think if anything, I think that they can rise and get that seven or eight. Um, and of course, that's going to require some consistency, though, which has been a buzzword all season long. Um, so consistency, I think, is is going to be key. I think that's going to be everything for them. All right. That's it for the mailbag. So what's next? Mm, okay. Uh, well, what's next is that I am going to go pack my suitcase and <laughs> pack a bunch of jackets and gloves and hats and warm socks because the Hawks play in Detroit Monday. I'm actually flying out like I'm packing my microphone into my suitcase and then I'm heading to the airport and flying out today. We are recording this Sunday, obviously. So they'll play in Detroit and then in Milwaukee. I feel like I know Milwaukee pretty well at this point because obviously I was there um, for a good portion of the postseason, um, getting to know that city up there during the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, so the Pistons are 17 and 47. So that's bad. <laughs> they are obviously not a, a good team. At the same time, this is what I'm talking about when it comes to consistency. You just ha- you, you can't have like, oh, that letdown game. Oh, this is a trap game. You, you can't have losses like that. You just can't afford them. So because if you, I mean, you could lose, you know, three games like that and then bam, you're out of the playing tournament. Um, so definitely slim margin for error, just like we've, we've been talking about the whole the whole time after this all star break after the all star break. That's what's that's what they've had for sure. Um, and so they'll play in Milwaukee Wednesday. Schedule does ease up a little bit, like I said, um, road heavy, which can make it more difficult. But overall, I think the Hawks have an opportunity here if they can take care of business against the teams that they that they need to. I think they have an opportunity to to rise and get on a streak here and position themselves as best as possible for the playing tournament or whatever is in their future. I think that if you look at their schedule, if they can if they can pick up some some wins and and take care of business and it's obviously great timing to have John Collins back that's big for them it's great timing that DeAndre Hunter is starting to find his shot again that's good timing too um we'll see what happens with Kevin Herter and Anyeka Kongwu um Anyeka Kongwu and concussion protocol obviously and then Kevin Herter with that shoulder so we'll see what happens there but overall i think that um i think the Hawks have a, a good opportunity here if they can seize it so that is today's episode. Please don't forget, y'all, to rate, review, subscribe, share, listen, set yourself a reminder, all that stuff um, for Hawks Report episodes. And we will have another episode for you later this week with a special guest who I'm really, really excited to talk with. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy it whenever that episode comes out. So thank you guys again for listening to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean Breeze. Tropical Beach. Pina Colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song. The celebration. The Atlanta Journal Constitution presents Hip Hop's most pulled elements. 
are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants a rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop.